What you focus on in life will greatly impact the quality of your life. I'll, I'll say it again. What you focus on in life will greatly impact the quality of your life. If you focus on positive things, your life will be more positive. If you focus on negativity and negative things, your life will be more negative and depressing. If you focus on everything that you don't have, your existence will largely be miserable. Here's how it works. You focus on negative things, or perhaps you focus on everything that you don't have, and your mind and your emotions will wreak havoc in your heart, in your soul, on the inside of you. You start thinking about what you don't have. You start thinking about the life that you don't have and the things that you don't have, the people, the friends that you don't have or the crowd that you want to run in. You're, you're not a part of it. And you think about these things and shortly you convince yourself that you've got all these problems in your life and negativity begins to overwhelm and it becomes sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy. And when those perceived problems have risen to the front and center of your mind, you begin to be anxious about those things. You begin to worry about those things. You begin to be preoccupied about those things. You ask yourself questions. Why don't I have those things that those people have? Why don't I have that job? Why am I not driving that car? Why don't I have those friends? Why am I not in that crowd? Why am I not accepted or whatever it is. And what happens is anxiousness sets in, worry sets in, and when anxiousness and worry set in, they control they begin to control your life and they set an atmosphere in your life. Jesus Christ addresses this fundamental issue and problem that we all face from time to time. There's not one person that has been unscathed by the list of things that I've already described in this opening. And Jesus Christ addresses the, these fundamental issues and problems. If you get a hold of this teaching tonight of Jesus, it can revolutionize your life. It will transform you from a person of worry to a person of faith, from a person of the world to a person of the kingdom of God. There are two points tonight, and they're pretty simple but enormously profound. And they are life-changing to the person who embraces them and lives by them. Here they are. Don't be anxious about life and seek after the kingdom of God. Amen? Number one, don't be anxious about life. Let's pick it up in our text. Matthew 6, verse 25. This is Jesus preaching in the Sermon on the Mount, perhaps the most famous sermon that's ever been preached. Amen? This is it from Matthew chapter 6. Jesus said this, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And, and you not, are not more valuable than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about your clothing? 
Consider the, the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today and tomorrow was thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or whatever shall we wear? For, whatever, for after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will, will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Point number one, don't be anxious about life. Jesus here is preaching in the, the Sermon on the Mount, and he's been addressing a, a, a host of things. I mean, if you read Matthew chapter 5 and 6 and 7, it's, it's, it's an amazing read. It's a, an amazing message that Jesus has for the people that would follow him, the people that would come after him. And he's been addressing all kinds of things. And one of the focuses in chapter 6, leading up to the verses that we just read, was focusing Jesus talking about the material person, the, the person who is caught up in material things and uh, over against the person who's become free in him and become a person of the spirit, a person of the eternal. And at one point, he has to actually goes so far as, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on the earth, but treasures in heaven, because the things of the earth are passing away, but the things that you lay up in heaven are eternal. And so he's been getting to these particular issues. And then he even brings it so far as to bring it to this point that you can't serve God and mammon, he says, or materialism. You can't serve God and, and, and say, I'm, I'm serving God and, and just be just in, fixated uh, in your life on the material things. You've got to uh, embrace uh, the spirit and, and embrace the Lord who is spirit and embrace the spirit things, the things of heaven. And, and you will be less worried about the things of the earth. Amen. And so here Jesus addresses the problem of being so fixated on the material that anxiousness and worry sets in. How many of you here tonight have ever worried about something material? You've, you've ever worried, you've ever become anxious worry and anxiousness have set in in your life and, and you said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what is going to happen in this situation. Yeah, I threw out a question that no one could say, well, no, that's not me. I guess I'll go down and get some yogurt. <laughs> no, we, we all have dealt with these issues. Jesus' command for us is this. Don't be anxious about your life. Don't worry about your life. We're not to worry about life. Why? Because if you have made the decision to follow Christ, you really don't have anything to worry about. Amen. There's a lot of people out there that got some stuff to worry about. But for those of us who are in Christ, we have come face to face with our Lord and Savior, our Heavenly Father, who is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. He holds the whole thing together and he's got your situation under control. Amen. And 
that's for that reason. And I know it sometimes it, it might seem, seem like a platitude, but when you come to grips, when you embrace this concept that Jesus is telling us that we don't have to worry. We serve the King of Kings, the one that spoke the world into existence. So he says, don't worry about your life. The word here in the Greek is this, the word when it says, do not worry about your life. It means to be anxious, to be troubled with cares. And Jesus uses this word really with that meaning in, in mind, that we're not to be anxious about life, about stuff. How much time do we spend worrying? And when we're looking at it, we have to be honest, it's stuff. It's stuff. And it's things, it's maybe even outcomes that will affect stuff. <laughs> and we get so anxious, we get, we get worrying about it. And God wants us to be free from that. He wants us to trust in him. Worry should not be a part of the Christian life. Why? Because we know that we, that we serve a God that will supply all of your needs. There are two things that Jesus says specifically that we should, that we should not worry about. He says, do not worry about food and clothing. Do not worry about food and clothing. Jesus is saying, don't be anxious about these things. There, there are other things that you can worry about. There are other things, other stuff that you can be worried about. But I think, you know, Jesus is kind of zeroing in on these. And, and it's as if to say, hey, these kind of are, you know, representative of all the stuff that you could be worried about. Don't be worried about them. Don't let things be that much of a concern to you that you begin to fret and worry about it. The life that you have is more than clothes. It's more than food. It's more than stuff. And God is going to take care of you. You're, you're, you're not going to be left destitute. You're, you're a child of the Lord. You're a child of the King. Amen. You're a son or daughter of the Lord. Now, Jesus gives us two examples of how God takes care. He says, don't worry. Don't worry about these things because God, the Lord cares. And, and, and here are two examples of why you shouldn't worry. The first example is birds. Look at verse 26. He says, look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. The birds are provided for by God and he takes care of them. And it's, it, Jesus is saying, therefore, we should expect that God will take care of us just as, it, as the Lord takes care of the birds that we should be taken care of as well, that the heavenly father is going to be taken care of us. Now, I, got, I don't know if she put it up there. I got a picture of an eagle. I can't see the screens. We got an eagle up there? Yeah. Now, I, I, somewhere somebody said, you know, don't, don't, run around with the turkeys, fly with the eagles, right? And this message is about flying like an eagle and, and, and being that one that realizes that God's got it under control, that, that, that he's the wind beneath your wings, that he's going to take care, that he's going to provide. Now he says, take careful note, the birds don't worry. The birds don't worry, but they do work. They don't worry, but they do work. Ever, if you have ever seen videos of, of hawks, or you ever been somewhere where you see hawks, and you look up in the sky and you'll see them circling. 
and they're just kind of looking. And they're they're going to find something. They're going to find that meal, right? <laughs> and so it's not as if the birds don't work. They're not they're not conscientious about their situation, but the Lord says the F heavenly Father takes care of them. The heavenly Father takes care of them. It's there's an old saying: the early bird gets the worm, right? Remember that saying? And then there's a corollary to that statement that you've probably heard of. The second mouse gets the cheese, <laughs> right? right? The early bird gets the worm, but it's the second mouse that gets the cheese. We need to be diligent. We don't need to worry, but we just need to be diligent. In another place, Jesus commands that we be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. We're to be innocent, pure, and holy, but we're not to be dumb. <laughs> Amen? Right. It's just because God's saying, don't worry. The God, God's going to take, look at the birds. They're all set. They're all taken care of. It's not to say, oh, we'll just go kick back, fold the hands. Don't worry like that. It's that that's not what he's saying. We're to be wise as serpents, innocent as doves. We're, we're not to be dumb. Sometimes when I fly into Southern California, I'll fly into the airport in Orange County. And the, the airport in Orange County there is named after uh, the famous movie actor John Wayne. And so the airport there is called John Wayne Airport. And John Wayne said this, life is hard. And it's even harder if you're stupid. <laughs> and so anyways, Jesus put it a little bit softer. You know, he said, he said, you know, be, be innocent as doves, but wise as serpents. And trust the Lord just like the birds, because God's going to take care of you in the end. And so Christian, we need to be smart. The first time I was in Boston, Massachusetts, uh, and I... I remember my first trip to Boston, I, I went up there and I just fell in love with Boston. I fell in love with Massachusetts. And I learned a little bit of the Bostonian lingo, okay? The Bostonian lingo, okay? And one of the things that you say when you're from Boston is you don't just say you're smart. You say wicked smart, okay? And so... Wicked, evidently, in Massachusetts and New England means good. I don't know how, I don't know, you have to ask somebody from there, but somehow that got flip-flopped, and so wicked is not bad, wicked is good, and you need to be wicked smart, okay? And so this is Bostonian lingo. Christian, we need to be wicked smart. We need to be smart, we need to be, and, 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 and the idea there, Jesus says, be innocent as doves, but wise as serpents. And the Lord's going to take care of you like the birds of the heavens. Amen? Amen. We need to be smart and diligent in our work. Another example is another place that I like to enjoy uh, in Southern California when I'm in Huntington Beach and I, and I want to get some good pancakes. I go to this place right on Main Street in Huntington Beach and it's called the Sugar Shack. And if you're ever in Huntington Beach and you want some pancakes, go to the Sugar Shack, get your pancakes, get a cup of coffee, and when you're done, you can go over and you can walk the pier. Amen? It doesn't get a whole lot better. It's just one of my favorite places. Amen? And one of the times I was there at the Sugar Shack and we were eating these del very delicious pancakes, and I noticed these 
Huntington Beach pigeons. And these Huntington Beach pigeons were not dumb. I mean, they were smart because they were just literally right at our feet, almost underneath the tables. And they were just picking up every little thing. If somebody dropped something, they were right there. They knew the place to get some good pancakes too. Amen. And so we need to be, we need to be smart. We need to, to be conscientious about what we're doing. But at the end of the day, as we're doing that, the Lord is going to take care of you and you don't need to fret. You don't need to be anxious. You don't need to be worried. Which of you, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his statue, stature? As Jesus is saying, worrying is not going to accomplish anything for you. In fact, it's going to accomplish negative things. Negative things are going to be accomplished in your life. It's going to cloud your mind. It's going to cloud your day. It's going to cloud your spirit. And that negativity and worry and anxiousness is going to begin to weigh on you, weigh heavy on you. Which of you, by worrying, can add one thing? No, worrying never added anything. It only subtracts and saps the joy and the energy and perhaps even the ingenuity that is needed in the situation. Amen? Paul told this to the Philippians in chapter 4, verse 6. You'll see it on the screen. He said, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known, made known to God. Don't be anxious for anything, Paul would say, but trust the Lord. If you've got, if there's a concern, it's not as if we don't have concerns. It's not as if we don't have these things, but we're to take them to the Lord. We're, let it, we're to let them be made known to the Lord, the, the person that can do something about it. Amen? So God says, look at the birds. Jesus says, look at the birds. And then secondly, he says, look at the flowers. Verse 28. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. I got a picture there of some flowers there. And I believe this is the Netherlands. If you're into flowers, I think you need to go to the Netherlands and you've got to see these fields. The Dutch evidently know a few things about flowers. In fact, if you go on your phone, don't do it right now, but later, and Google the Netherlands and tulips, you'll see these unbelievable fields of tulips that, like you've never seen. And Jesus says, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say, to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. God is taking care of the flowers. He's clothed the fields. He's clothed the flowers. The flowers don't work or spin and the father takes care of them. He makes sure that they're clothed. Now, obviously Jesus is talking about physical clothing here and Jesus is the one who properly clothed the first couple. Amen? Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden. And they were naked. The Bible tells us they were naked. In fact, after they sinned and ate from the tree that was in the midst of the garden, the tree that they were commanded not to eat of, they went and they hid themselves. 
And the Lord came looking for them and he said, what's going on? What's going on here? And they said, well, we hid because we were naked. Well, who told you you were naked? And then the whole thing begins to come out. What, they, what had they done? They realized they, they'd sinned against God. They realized they were naked. And so they clothed themselves, right? You read it there in Genesis. We've been going through Genesis. You read it there in Genesis and they clothed themselves. And the text tells us that they clothed themselves with fig leaves. Now, I understand that fig leaves are like sandpaper. So that wasn't exactly a great material choice for the first outfit. <laughs> right? Not exactly, you know, the runways of Milan. <laughs> and so here's what the Lord says to them. You've gone and done this. You, you, you're naked. You've clothed yourself with fig leaves. And what does he tell them? This is not going to do. This is not going to work. And the text tells us that he covers them, that he clothes them. That, and the picture there, and we covered this in Genesis, the picture there is the work of the atonement that not only does he clothe them physically, but he, but he, but he, he skins the animal. The animal, there's a sacrifice, there's a blood sacrifice that becomes a picture of the atoning work of Christ that would later be accomplished on the cross at Calvary. And there we see the type, we see the picture of not only the physical clothing, but the clothing, the atonement, the covering of the shame and the, and the nakedness spiritually. And it's the Lord who clothes the Lord who clothes us spiritually, but, but Christian, listen, he's also gonna take care of us to make sure that you're not running around naked. Amen, that you're clothed, that you have what you need. In other words, you're gonna have supplied to you what you need. We need to just take it to the Lord. Now, man tries to, to do all kinds of things. Spiritually speaking, man tries to cover his shame, the nakedness of his shame. We're, we're being honest as, as human beings. And the fact that the Bible tells us that we've fallen short of the glory, that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory. That, there's, that because we've sinned before a holy God, there's, there's, a, there's a shame there. There's, a, there's the, the, the shame of sin. And there's only one solution to the shame of sin. And that's to allow the Lord to come in and be your covering. To be... To, to, to cover the nakedness of your shame. And he did that for you. He provided the work for you on the cross at Calvary. Amen? And he wants to do it. And whatever we can do on our own is not going to cut it. It's like sandpaper clothing. It's like sandpaper clothing. But if you'll let God cover you, and clothe you, he will do the job perfectly and completely. And, oh, it's a fashion statement. Trust me. It's a statement to have the fashion of the covering of Jesus Christ in your life. Amen? 
And here's a picture that we see at the end of the book in the book of Revelation chapter four, verse four, we get this snapshot picture into the very throne room of heaven. And when we look through John's eyes into the throne room of heaven, what do we see around the throne of God, but 24 other thrones that represent, that are the elders of God that represent the church of Jesus Christ. I don't have to get time to get into laying all that out for you, but if you ask me if you're curious about it, I will take the time later. But anyways, the 24 elders representing the entirety of the church, those that have been bought back from their sins. And this is what it says. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, and here it is, what? Clothed in white robes, and they sat, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. This is the picture of the perfection and the quality of the clothing that Jesus provides for us spiritually and Christian. He's going to take care of you physically. But the most important thing is the spiritual covering, the spiritual clothing that God provides and only he can provide. The white robe and a gold crown that he asked for you because you, you are a, a kid of his. You're a child of the kingdom. And so where does Jesus bring all this down to? He says, don't worry about your food, your clothing. Don't worry about stuff. Consider the birds. Consider the, the flowers. And what's the, what's the message? What's the imperative? It's this. Seek first after the kingdom. Seek first after heavenly things, after the things of God, after the things of heaven. Pick it back up, verse 33. He says this. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So don't worry about your life, Christian, and seek first after the kingdom. Seek this is how I learned it when I was a kid. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all these things will be added unto you. What things? The things that Jesus has just been talking about. The things that Jesus is telling you not to worry about. Seek first the, the things of heaven, things, the things of God, and all these things will be added to you. We're to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The word seek here in the Greek language is the word Zeteo, and it means to seek in order to find. To seek in order to find, to seek a thing, to seek after. And we need to be concerned. We need to seek after with the desire to find the things that are, that are, that are valuable, the things of God, the things of heaven. We need, to th we need to think about the things that God desires. We need to think about his plans for our lives. We need to think about what he wants to do in our lives. Sometimes we get so wrapped up in our own situations and we're so worried about everything and, and, and we've got to think about what he wants for our lives. Part of the problem that, 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 that people have is they're, they're trying to be the co-pilot or the pilot, Right? And then, you know, then they say, you know, there was a bumper sticker going around. It was like, Jesus is my co-pilot. Well, there's the problem. Jesus doesn't want to be the co-pilot. He's the pilot. Right. 
Amen? We get on the plane with him and he takes us. He's got a direction. He's got a destination. He, there's a destiny that we have when we embrace the kingdom of heaven and when we embrace the cross of Christ. And we become concerned with the things of the Lord, the things that God cares about. So we're to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. A Christian, listen to me here, Christian, a follower of God, a follower of Christ must settle this issue of priorities in your life. You need to settle the issue of priorities in your life once and for all because if you don't settle it, it will be a constant issue in your life and it will be, bring constant stress and anxiety and worry into your life because you first haven't, you haven't settled the issue of priorities. The Lord is to be our priority. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. We've got to seek, we're, when we're seeking first the kingdom, this must be the rule of our life when ordering our priorities. Now, here's the thing. Now, some people might say, well, Je what Jesus is saying is, you know, seek the kingdom first, and then once you've spent some time doing that, and then go out and do what you want to do. Or then go on to the other priorities. Once you've kind of felt like, okay, well, I gave God, you know, I, I, I sought first the kingdom, and now I'm going to go down the list of all my other priorities. I want to change, I want to rock your world tonight, and I want to change your paradigm about that. That's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about seeking the first the kingdom in all the priorities of your life. <laughs> Not having a priority of seeking the kingdom and then all the other priorities come in second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. No, seeking first the kingdom is the thing that dominates what you do and how you think and how you go about your day so that it, it affects all the priorities of your life. So what is the priority of your life? You're a husband, you're a wife, seek first the kingdom as being a husband, as being a wife. You're a student in college, in high school, seek first the kingdom and what God would have you do in your schooling. You're on the job, you're doing this, you're doing that, seek first the kingdom in all those areas. And when you do that, it's not, God's not relegated to somewhere over here. God and the kingdom of heaven and what he's doing in our lives is right here in the midst of everything that we're doing. And so there's no point in that whole track there where we're taking our eyes off the focus of the kingdom. Even we may even be out at the mall shopping for clothes. We may be going to get a burger. Five guys. Right? I've got three guys in my house. Well, there's four of us. Four guys and a girl. And we go to five guys. Amen? And, and, and it's a good burger. Amen? Now, 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 some say, you know, in and out. Right? Five guys. Which one's the best? Here's the thing. You may be doing whatever it is you're doing, but you haven't relegated the seeking first the kingdom to some other sphere, but seeking first the kingdom is the paradigm, is the matrix in which all other priorities are worked through, are walked through. Amen? And I tell you what, this is a, this is a game changer. 
This is a life changer. This is the deal. This is the deal. And it's a great deal because we have a heavenly father that's taking care of all of your needs. My God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Amen? How does Jesus want you to live? Seek first the kingdom. What does he want for your marriage? Seek first the kingdom. What does he want for your finances? Seek first the kingdom. What does he have for you? Seek him and find him out and seek his lordship and righteous living. What Jesus is asking us to do in this passage is incredible. It's the ultimate trade. He wants us to trade in a, wor in a, in a, in a, in a worry about life, a, worry, a, a life of worrying about stuff, worrying about all these things that can fill our lives, for being concerned for, having a passion for, seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He's not asking us only to stop worrying. It's been said that a passion can only be replaced by a greater passion. In other words, I don't think you can just say, okay, well, I'm just going to stop worrying. Here's what he's saying. Let the kingdom and the, and the righteousness of Christ be the first focus, the primary focus, the dominant focus. Let that be the passion. And that first passion, that greater passion will begin when we've, we've sung it tonight. We've already sung it. You're my passion. You're my hope. You're my love. You're my joy. And all these things will be added to you. The Marine Corps has a code that they teach and live by. Unit, core, God, and country, right? Unit, core, God, and country. I submit to you tonight that this is the code of the Christian that Jesus is spelling out for us. And it's this, God, his kingdom, and his righteousness, and everything else will fall into place and be taken care of for you. Amen? Amen? Let me repeat that. Here's the code. You writing this down? God, his kingdom, his righteousness, and everything else is taken care of. Amen? Amen? And all these things will be added unto you. The first and foremost thing that you can do not to worry about life is to put your trust and your faith in Jesus for your life. One of the problems and one of the things that you should be worrying about if God is not your God and Jesus is not your king, there should actually be something, there is something to worry about. And that's your eternal destiny. But you can solve that by accepting the plan of salvation that Christ has offered for you. By accepting the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. By allowing him as we've already sung tonight, to be the king of your heart. He's never going to let you down. 
He's always going to be there. He's never going to leave you or forsake you. He's never going to let you down if you'll put your hope, your trust, your loyalty, your first priority, your first focus. Let it be him. And if you do it, it will be the best decision that you've ever made in your entire life. And you will be thanking the Lord for all eternity. And maybe someone else that told you about the Lord. I saw this little cartoon just this last week in the aftermath of the death. Well, not really the death, but the change of address for Billy Graham. Amen. He said, when you hear of my death, don't believe it. Don't believe it. I will have only changed addresses. There was a little cartoon and it was Billy Graham coming up to the pearly gates. And someone was greeting him there at the gates of heaven. And he said to Billy, he said, come on in. There's a bunch of people here that can't wait to thank you for bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to bear upon their hearts. Amen. It'll be the best decision that you've ever made in your life. So I want to encourage you right now. Give your life to Jesus. Do you have a worry? Are you anxious about a whole host of things? Or maybe it's one thing. Give your life to Jesus and trust in him, on him, for your very life. Come into the kingdom of God and seek him with everything. And you'll be changed forever and ever and ever. For today, for this week, for this year, for the rest of your life here until you change addresses. And Billy Graham will be waiting at the gate for us. No, I don't know that, but he may, he might. Your life will be forever changed. But for here, we have a hope that we don't have to worry. We don't have to fret. You know what you have to do? I'll leave you with this tonight. There will be times in your life, and I've faced some even recently, those times that come, that present themselves, the news from some place in your life it comes and that news pre presents you perhaps with a reason to worry. And right then you have a choice. You have a choice. And you have to walk yourself through it, Christian. <laughs> Trust me. And maybe you have somebody by your side that helps you walk, walk you through it. Thank God for a godly spouse. It helps you walk through stuff and talk, you, talk to you about the fact that the Lord's got it under control. Amen? Put your hope, put your trust in Jesus Christ. You'll never be the same. You'll be changed forever.